we simply cannot allow people to pour into the United States undetected, undocumented, unchecked. And complete the dang fence. This bill that we will sign today is not a revolutionary bill. Cast down your bucket where you are. We come from France. And I am, you know, adamantly against illegal immigrants. They're coming in by the thousands. Just unbelievable. A wall is an immorality. Who are you rooting for? Those masters of the universe are at it again. You maniac! You blew it up! Welcome to Parsing Immigration Policy, the podcast of the Center for Immigration Studies. My name is Mark Prekorian. I'm executive director of the Center. And this week's episode is actually kind of newsy and timely because we're going to be talking about and then expanding off of something that happened this past weekend. Saturday, the Homeland Security Secretary extended what's called temporary protected status to Haitian illegal immigrants in the United States. And our guest to talk about it is Rob Law. He was our uh, first guest on our first podcast, former senior official at USCIS, now an analyst here at the center. And USCIS, which is the part of DHS that deals with work permits and green cards and what have you, is a central player, obviously, in this temporary protected status, so-called, phenomenon. And so I thought it would be good to have him on to talk about specifically this grant of TPS, which has nothing to do with the movie Office Space. I always get uh, emails about that. This particular grant of TPS to Haitians, and then the broader issue of TPS and how it's a really is a significant weakness in our immigration policy that needs to be addressed. So thanks, Rob, for doing this. And if you could just give us, first of all, the basics on what DHS Secretary Mayorkas did. What does this mean? Roughly how many people are we talking? What are the what implications? Sure. Thanks, Mark. And uh, happy to be here to talk about this important issue. So yeah, as you mentioned, to many people's surprise, over the weekend, Secretary Mayorkas made a new designation of TPS, Temporary Protected Status, for Haiti, citing a political crisis, human rights abuses, serious security concerns, and then COVID-19's impact on the dire economic situation and, and lack of access to food, water, and health care. That's the stated reasons for the TPS designation. In practice, what this means is that every Haitian in the country, lawfully or unlawfully, and it's primarily to the benefit of the illegal alien population, they are allowed to stay in the United States while TPS is designated. And the key thing is they all get work permits. Previously, there was a 2010 TPS Haiti designation that benefited about 55,000 Haitian illegal aliens. And that was because of the earthquake. Because of an earthquake. And so, in other words, that was actually a use of TPS that was consistent with the statute. That's correct. Yeah, you know, there's three different prongs for TPS, but natural disasters being one of them. An earthquake, especially a, a massive earthquake like what Haiti experienced then, would be something that would make sense short term, you know, airports cannot accept the return of their of their people. That makes sense. But then eventually you rebuild and people can start to go home once their their time in the United States on a visa expires. But that didn't happen here because that was 11 years ago and that TPS was just renewed over and over again. It was renewed over and over until President Trump and his administration attempted 
and that's the keyword, attempted to terminate it, looking at the country conditions and seeing that Haiti no longer met the requirements of, of TPS. And even though the statute is very clear that TPS decisions, both grants of and terminations of, are not subject to judicial review, there were sympathetic courts that felt that that provision did not matter in the world of, of the Trump administration. And, and so the Trump administration was blocked from actually terminating that designation. So that population has still been here getting auto renewal of their work permits. And now thanks And that's to, about 50,000 people. About 50, 55,000, yes. Right. And then now, in addition to retaining coverage of that pre-existing population, by moving up the date till May 21st, any Haitian in the country as of May 21st, 2021. Friday. Friday, yes. Uh, you now, too, can get a work permit and not be removed from the country. DHS failed to disclose how many Haitians they believe that this will benefit, which is unusual. Typically, during the Trump administration, we provided estimates of what the coverage was. But here, they, they failed to do so. Media reports suggest it's 100,000 total, so there'll be about another 45 to 50,000. But again, there's no cap on it. They don't discontinue work permits once you hit number 100,000. So it's an avenue for, um, for people to try to get a work permit under, under the guise of, of TPS for, for Haiti. And, you know, frankly, there is an opportunity for fraud in there since it's not you had been here for two years. It's you had been here for, you know, since last Friday. It's a whole lot easier to fake that. In other words, there's people coming across the border now who no doubt, first of all, some of them who came across the border before Friday will be benefiting from this. And there might be people coming across the border today who would say, yeah, I was here last Friday. Look, I have a receipt or something like that. Absolutely. It's much easier to come into possession of some sort of documentation that suggests you've been here for a couple of days or weeks as opposed to trying to establish that you've been here since 2011, which is what was required under the previous designation. Right. So there's a couple of questions. First is, what kind of effect do you think this is going to have at the border? Because people will always say, well, you know, no one's going to act on this who isn't already here because they wouldn't qualify. My sense is this is basically an advertisement for the next grant of TPS. And so why wouldn't you try to sneak in and take your chances? Oh, exactly. It's very similar to uh, an amnesty legislation or even talk of amnesty legislation. Come and get it, whether you're eligible today or if you stick around long enough, you'll be eligible for, for tomorrow's. In the case of TPS, for Haiti, any Haitian that wasn't already in the country as of Friday, it's further going to encourage them to get into the country because what we've seen from various administrations is that once the original time period for TPS runs out, which in this case it's 18 months, which is the longest period of time, that instead of just renewing it, if that's the decision, they've created this legal fiction called a redesignation which is not actually in the statute. And what that does is it changes the cutoff date. So instead of protecting the people who were here before the event occurred, it now, by moving the date forward through a so-called redesignation, now covers everybody who came in response to that event in, in the home right. country. So essentially reopens the TPS process to new people. And when I ask about the border, that's not just sort of hypothetical, everybody's talking about the border. There's actually a lot of Haitians coming across the border. I mean, what was the stat, I think, for April was that of the family units, the people coming as families who were apprehended by the Border Patrol, 
30% were not from Mexico or Central America, and some significant number of those people were Haitian. There were all kinds of other people there too, Indians and Cubans and Brazilians and what have you. But I mean, there is a significant flow of Haitians coming across the border. And in fact, to such a degree that, and this has been going on long enough, that when we've tightened up on the border in various times, some Haitians end up stuck on the Mexican side. So that in Tijuana, for instance, there is now a Haitian immigrant community that just decided, okay, well, this is it's not quite America, but it beats Haiti. So they've just put down their roots there. So this isn't just hypothetical that, well, maybe some Haitians who aren't here already will act on this by immigrating illegally. We're already seeing significant Haitian illegal immigration. That's right. You know, these are largely economic migrants, and they are taking a clear signal from the Biden administration that the law is not going to be enforced. So if you can find a way into the country, you can either disappear into the interior, you can make an asylum claim, which, you know, the numbers show you will not qualify for, but you might get a work permit while you wait for your eventual denial. And under the Biden administration, you're not going to be returned home once your asylum application is, is denied. So it, it is a clear signal to come, or at least to try to come. Now, Haitians aren't the only people with TPS. What are some of the other groups that have TPS? And some of them had TPS. They were granted it even longer time ago. And so they've been getting renewed in this sort of auto renewal, practically, even longer than Haitians have. That's right. There are a number of countries, and thanks to the Biden administration in just the first 100 or so days, adding to the list and significantly increasing the numbers. Just very briefly, here's the list of countries that the Trump administration attempted to terminate because determination that they didn't meet the standard anymore, which was El Salvador, Honduras, Haiti, as we've talked about, Nepal, Nicaragua, and Sudan. And these were countries that had had TPS for a very long time. That's right, including, I think, going back as far as 1998 for Honduras, uh, El Salvador is based off of 2001 earthquakes. Some of them are a little bit more recent, but this becomes, as you are prone to say, there's nothing as permanent as, as a temporary immigration status or a temporary protected status. Yep. It just, it never ends, auto renewal every 18 months. But in addition to those countries that the Trump administration attempted to terminate, other countries that were previously covered and still remain uh, under TPS today, South Sudan, Syria, Yemen, Somalia, and then just under the Biden administration, Venezuela has received a TPS designation, which Estimates suggest that it will be at least 320,000 illegal alien Venezuelans who are going to benefit from that. And then Burma as well has, has also received a, a new designation. And when you talk about numbers, the grant of TPS to Venezuelans almost doubles the number of people who have TPS, doesn't it? It's something like that. So now it's well over half a million people who have this so-called temporary status. Yes, that's right. It, prior to the Venezuela designation, the El Salvador population was the largest, which was roughly about 260,000 at the peak of it. Some of them have found other ways to get different immigration statuses. But uh, yes, by adding in at least 320,000 Venezuelans, you're well over half a million people who uh, have effectively amnesty light. So as you mentioned, this is amnesty light. It's not amnesty premium or Amnesty Platinum, they don't get green cards, which could lead to citizenship, but they do have work permits, social security numbers, driver's licenses. Basically, they have everything they need to kind of live a normal life here. 
They've been embedded in our society. And it's an amnesty that the president can just unilaterally give to anybody he feels like with even the flimsiest rationale. As you said, what they talked about Haiti were things that simply are not really covered under the statute, in other words, that justify TPS. I remember I was reading during the Obama administration one of the renewals for Honduran TPS, and in the Federal Register announcement, which hasn't been published at least when, as we're recording this, it may be published soon, that's where they have the number they're required to have an estimate of the number, but they also then have to have this whole explanation of why. And in this Federal Register notice about Honduran TPS being renewed for, I don't know what, the fifth time, the sixth time, you lose track after a while. One of the rationales was a blight on coffee plants in Honduras. I mean, it's that absurd. I mean, it's, there's no, it's just, it's pretextual. They're just making up things to kind of fulfill, nominally fulfill legal requirements, even though the spirit of the TPS law is essentially ignored in most of these cases. Exactly. And there's three different ways TPS can be granted. Armed conflict, that's pretty straightforward. Natural disaster, also pretty straightforward. And then the third one, which is the one that's often used, is this catch-all extraordinary and temporary conditions. But there's more to the statutory requirement than just extraordinary and temporary conditions. Those conditions must also prevent the return in safety of those foreign nationals to their home country. And that's the part that gets completely ignored. You know, coffee rust or, you know, lack of food, water, healthcare access in your home country doesn't prevent you from returning in safety. You may not be able to return in prosperity, but that's a very different standard. Yeah, and that's actually a good point. You can't be returned or you can't return safely. And yet we issue visas, tens of thousands of visas temporary visas, which are premised on the idea that you will return and can return. And so to countries that have TPS, we just keep issuing visas to more new people. If you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. This is such a, a disconnect between the, the supposed reality of the justification for TPS. We can't return you to your home country, um, so therefore you get to stay here and work. But at the same time, Year after year on autopilot, the government gives out temporary tourist visas, guest worker visas, student visas, things that are limited in time that, from the government's perspective, we are saying, we expect you to go home. That's why you get a, a temporary non-immigrant visa. But if it's safe for that population to go home, why is it not similarly safe for the special population that, that got TPS because they happen to be in the country in the United States on a, on a set date when a TPS designation was made. Yeah, I looked up some of the numbers for a piece I wrote at National Review on this. And in 2019, this is before the pandemic, the State Department issued 40,000 non-immigrant visas. Non-immigrant doesn't mean a native-born citizen. Non-immigrant means a person who's not coming here to stay. Like Rob said, a student, a tourist, most of them are tourist visas. 40,000 of them are Salvadorans, and yet Salvador is a country that we just say that the 250,000 people who are here with TPS can't return to. And like you said, if they can't return, then how can the tourists we give visas to return? And if the tourists we give visas to return, how is it justifiable in any real world sense to give TPS? I mean, Haitians in 2019, 22,000 visas, almost all of them 
B-1, B-2, which are tourist or business travel, but they're all short-term visas. Nicaragua has TPS. We gave 13,000 visas in 2019. Heck, Yemen even has TPS, and we gave 1,300 visas in Yemen in 2019. So there's a basic disconnect that really exposes the false nature, sort of the dishonest nature of TPS. Yeah, exactly. And it's not just the issuance of the non-immigrant visas. It's also the fact that for every single country that is designated by TPS, the government is removing aliens to each and every one of those countries. Now, it might be smaller numbers depending on a number of factors, but if you can remove an alien to that country, that means it's safe enough. The United States government is not going to just deposit somebody into a country and, and put them directly in harm's way. That just that even doesn't criminals happen. we even, don't. Even I criminals. mean, we don't parachute them out of a back of a plane. They we actually hand them over to somebody. Yep, through a processing center, and you know, there's all sorts of various things that sort of help people get back and readjust to their to their home country life. And again, if if it's safe to remove some aliens to the country, then it should certainly be safe enough for an alien that has TPS to similarly go home. Right. So TPS was invented in 1990, if I remember correctly, and the point of it was Congress was trying to create a a structure and kind of a set of rules so that the president, whoever the president was, wouldn't just be freelancing, giving work permits willy-nilly. What it seems to have happened is that TPS exists and the executive, whoever the president is, is giving work permits willy-nilly in addition to TPS. So what are some of the things that, that either an administration that was interested in dealing with this could do, or more fundamentally, what could Congress do to change the law itself to try to make this a less dishonest and less abused program? Right. And I think it was well-intentioned by Congress to put some parameters around um, by codifying what was uh, an executive authority known as extended voluntary departure, which each another made up uh, another, acronym exactly yeah. and it just it was a patchwork of of why a country could qualify for it so this was a an attempt to make it a more uniform and controlled system but it's it's been abused as we see it's just renewal after renewal after renewal and you know whether it's through regulatory reforms or some form of, of executive action as we've talked about if a country is designated for TPS that should shut off the ability to have any non-immigrant visas except for diplomats receive those for the duration of the TPS designation. Uh, Similarly, another benefit or perk of a TPS grant is that you are allowed to travel outside of the United States. Currently, there is no prohibition on you returning to your home country that it is supposedly unsafe for you to go to. So it would seem that whether it's through a a regulatory change or, or a legislative change, there should be an absolute prohibition. If you're going to allow a TPS beneficiary to depart the United States to do some international travel, that they cannot return to the home country that has the TPS designation or that voids Yeah, they would TPS. void. In other words, yeah. they'd lose their TPS, lose their work permit, et cetera. And the first thing you mentioned on the cutting off the visas is something that presumably could be done by an administration, in other words, through regulation. But it seems also that it would stick better if it were done in statute. It would certainly be cleanest to have it done through statute, make it very clear what is required. And again, this, in addition to that, going back to this whole concept of, of redesignation, which is just, you know, as we've talked about, it's, it's not actually in the law right now. 
And yet various administrations use it to just move up the date to add more beneficiaries that need to make it abundantly clear that designations have to be independently based and that there has to be a separate intervening event that would result in a different designation because otherwise all you're doing is saying the people who who fled or left as a result of either the underlying events or the TPS designation they got to the United States one way or the other and now you're just kind of scooping them into to amnesty light yeah i mean in a sense though that's not what they did here this is a new TPS designation so frankly if you have an administration that wants to do this simply prohibiting redesignation isn't necessarily going to stop them. It's just a little more paperwork, right? Yeah, no, that's that's right. I mean, and that's that's the whole thing where TPS has become a very, very powerful tool to those that want to sort of expand the alien population in the United States with, with the benefits uh, that available to them. So, you know, this is what the Biden administration did was instead of continuing to rely on the earthquake, you know, there's kind of a passing reference to the earthquake in, in the press release, but, you know, suddenly it's, it's something new. And, and so therefore, well, the earthquake beneficiaries, you get to keep it too, as does everybody else who was here as of, as of last Friday. And, you know, I mean, to be perfectly honest, much of the third world has problems. I mean, that's why it's the third world in some sense. In other words, earthquakes happen everywhere, but countries that are less developed simply are less capable of dealing with them. Japan has earthquakes, and yet Japan, we don't give TPS to because it, you know, has the institutional and economic ability to cope with that. But, you know, any place else there's earthquakes, there's hurricanes, there's floods, it happens all the time. Uh, it, it, it just seems to me it can't be a kind of lottery for illegal aliens so that you win if you're if you happen to have snuck into the US before some disaster hit your home country it's just it it strikes me as really problematic but if you're defining this natural disaster or even civil conflict or what's the word armed conflict armed conflict yes you can define that pretty broadly so that frankly covers every place and that's kind of my question here is is there anything other than fear of political backlash that would stop, for instance, the Biden administration from declaring TPS for all Mexican illegal aliens, give them all work permits, because there's a kind of armed conflict in the sense that cartels are shoot people. And I don't know, I mean, there's always some kind of earthquake or something that happens. What stops an administration like the current one from just using TPS if Congress doesn't pass an amnesty to just amnesty whoever they want unilaterally? I think the only concern that would hold them back is the potential backlash of the voters at, a, at an election, whether it's 2022 or, or 2024, which is why I think you see with, with Haiti, there was a, a special interest driven request for TPS for, for Haiti. A month ago, a number of organizations wrote to President Biden, basically pleading with him to do a TPS designation. And then you just fast forward. Now you have enough pretext cooked up in in a document, and there's your grant. There are plenty of other countries that, you know, Guatemala has been been an effort to try to get Guatemala to be covered by TPS. But when I was in the Trump administration and we looked at the numbers that could potentially benefit, it was approximately 800,000. And all of a sudden, there's the optics a little too much. And so it's not really based off of 
factors on the ground. It's how how many numbers can do we think we can get away with without having repercussions on, from a political standpoint? Yeah, but that was a different administration yeah. too. I mean, the, the question yeah, we'll is see. what we'll about see. this? And you know, it seems to me that this is the kind of thing that if, for instance, the Democrats were to lose their House majority, let's say next year, you know, you could see an administration deciding to go for broke because. Once people get work permits, what we found is that's there's a kind of ratchet effect. As you said, there's nothing as permanent as a temporary work permit. The DACA people, Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, it's a different rubric than TPS, but it's basically was kind of the idea was copied from TPS. And they have work permits and social security numbers and driver's licenses. And the Trump administration, once it got around to trying to end DACA was stymied for three and a half years from doing so. And there's every reason to think that if the Biden administration, for instance, gave TPS to say 800,000 Guatemalans, that it really wouldn't matter what happened after that, even if they lost Congress, even if, you know, Ron DeSantis were elected president and took over in 2025, people would have had work permits for several years how realistic is it to round up 800,000, or if you add them all up here, probably close to 2 million people to cancel their work permits and throw them out of the country? In other words, they're creating facts on the ground that become difficult to reverse. Exactly. There, there are numerous hurdles. Once, once you get the work permit, that's almost like it's game over. Right. And That is the amnesty, in other that words. Is. Everything else, they say, well, this is not amnesty because they don't get citizenship. It's like, no, you get a work permit and a social security number, and a driver's license. The amnesty's over. It's just the flavor of amnesty may change. But it's, you know, you get amnesty light instead of amnesty premium, but it, the amnesty's over. It's happened. Yep, exactly. And then even, even if a new administration comes in, takes a look at the country conditions, and attempts to terminate it, what do you want to bet that yet another court will somehow be able to find standing to challenge the termination as was done in, under the Trump administration, even though the statute is very clear that these decisions are purely discretionary and not subject to judicial review. Again, even the courts, I mean, let's not be un, you know, sort of naive about the way the courts think about this. If the numbers are big enough, even the courts will change their rulings. We're approaching, not quite at, but three quarters of a million, maybe close to a million people pretty soon who have TPS. Judges will make up some reason to say, no, you can't take all those people's work permits away. Exactly. And that's, like you said, you know, DACA was streamlined and envisioned off of the same concept. Essentially, Congress fails to act to provide a amnesty premium for them. So the executive branch either uses tools put in place like TPS or creates tools such as an expansive view of deferred action to basically do the next best thing which is give them the work permits, and you go from there, they become a very sympathetic population, and you have all sorts of pleas to keep them here, multiple legislative initiatives to convert their amnesty light to amnesty premium, and, and that's, that's what the objective is. Now, what is, uh, to fit TPS, sort of the last point here, is to fit TPS in a broader context, my sense is that this is just one example of this push by immigration expansionists, people who like weak borders, to basically invert the basic approach to immigration. Because as I understand it, the way the immigration law is kind of premised 
is that the president has been given essentially unlimited power to keep out people, but very restricted, specifically spelled out powers to let people in or to stay. And that what we're seeing, TPS is part of a broader push that includes DACA, that includes the use of parole and what have you, to flip that on its head. So that people have been explicit about this, some libertarians and others, that the president has unlimited power to admit anyone he wants and give work permits to anyone he wants, but very limited and restricted authority about who he can remove. It's sort of an inversion of this. Uh, any thoughts on that? It's completely flipping the INA, the Immigration and Nationality Act, on, on its head. Specifically, Section 212F of the INA is the broadest of authority for the president to refuse the entry of an alien or class of aliens. Yeah, any alien or any class of aliens. For basically says, yeah. any, any reason at all. The Supreme Court upheld that when President Trump utilized that authority and, and was challenged. So it, it, is, it is an unfettered, very broad authority. And Congress sets out numerical limits for various categories. There are grounds of inadmissibility that aliens must overcome in order to be admitted into the country. Uh, you have to overcome immigrant intent if you're supposed to only be here temporarily, saying, no, I really do intend to leave. You have to prove that. Otherwise, a consular official is not going to give you your, your temporary visa. And this notion that in, instead, because there are limited resources to remove aliens, you can't remove all of them at the same time if, if you so chose and desired to, that somehow that means nobody can be removed or you can exempt almost everybody from enforcement and at the same time welcome as many aliens as, as you can under these various side doors or other channels that take very expansive and, and loose interpretations of, of the law, sometimes just creating a new authority that you don't actually have. And then as quick as you can give them a benefit, such as a work permit, then the foundation has been laid for those aliens to, to never be removed. Yeah, I mean, what it amounts to is that TPS is part of this broader push to change the immigration law, the fundamental, the, the, the foundation of the immigration law, from the president having wide discretion to keep people out and narrow discretion to let people in, to flip it around, to say he has wide discretion about letting people in and very limited discretion in removing people or keeping them out. And so this is really more important. This goes beyond the 100,000 Haitians that Biden is de facto amnestying to what is our approach to immigration law? Does the executive have the authority to keep people out? Or does he have the authority basically to let anybody he wants in? And that kind of is, in a sense, almost the first question of immigration law. And after that, is really only the discussion about do we have a visa lottery? Do we, you know, give visas to people in Yemen because they're not unlikely to go back? Whatever. All of those questions are important, but they're all subsidiary questions to the one which involves can he let in anybody he wants or not? The Federal Register notice on this may already be up by the time we post this podcast, or it may not, but this is a real thing. You know, this, this is going to happen. They announced it in a press release. This is something that the advocacy groups have been pushing desperately for, and it really does show this administration isn't as moderate as people hoped it would be 
on immigration, that really this is Biden administration kind of makes us yearn for the good old days of Obama on immigration, because as bad as the Obama administration was, this administration definitely seems to be definitely worse. Any last thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. I think as we discussed on the uh, the inaugural podcast about you know the Biden's first 100 days, you know immigration was largely absent in the 2020 campaign, and people are finding out what exactly they got with with the Biden administration. And we're still pretty early on, and and they're they're creeping further and further into a very expansive view of of immigration policy and authority. Yeah, there's plenty more to come. So when they grant CPS to the next million people or something, we'll have you back on to talk about it then. Thanks, Rob Law, an analyst here with Center for Immigration Studies. Thank you for tuning in to Parsing Immigration Policy, the podcast of the Center for Immigration Studies. All of our work, all of Rob's work, all of everybody's work here at the Center is online at cis.org. Rob is on Twitter. I forget. What is your Twitter handle? I'm actually not on Twitter. Oh, you're not? No. Okay. <laughs> uh, I am, though. Uh, Mark S. as in Stephen Krikori. Mark S. Krikorian if you have a taste for snark and sarcasm. And the link to my piece at National Review will be in the show notes. And thanks for tuning in, and I hope you'll join us next time on Parsing Immigration Policy.